Well, my friends, it is great to be back with you after an unintentional extended period of time off, and I appreciate you so very much for joining with me today. I wanted to jump on here and share some thoughts with you really out of a personal encounter experience that I had with the Lord. He spoke some things to me that really helped me to come into a greater just sense of freedom in my life in many different ways, and I believe it may do the same for you. So I just want to kind of share a little bit about what God spoke to me and uh, share a couple of scriptures with you as well. Before we do that, though, I, I haven't been able to put out an episode since the beginning of October. And then on October 7th, as you're well aware, this conflict broke out in the Middle East and the nation of Israel. And uh, this militant terrorist group who's been governing the Gaza Strip, Hamas, they broke through and they were able to bypass um, Israeli intelligence, which if, if if you're not aware, Israeli intelligence is maybe the most advanced and sophisticated uh, military intelligence organization there is on this planet. And so the fact that they were able to to breach and to get through without them being aware and without surrounding nations being aware and without the United States being aware, it was really um Pretty, pretty incredible. And I don't, incredible is often a word used for good things. I don't mean it in a, in, a, in a good way. I mean it in like the most negative sense possible. But it really surprised me when I heard that they were able to, to get through the way that they did with all of the parameters and, and intelligence that the nation of Israel has in place. But from, from listening to experts talk about this, really seems like Hamas has been planning this thing for a long time, like for years, kind of waiting. Uh, I, uh, listening to a gentleman by the name of Coleman Hughes on the uh, Joe Rogan uh, experience, I, I and I may reference um, a couple of things that he said a couple of different times here in this episode, but he, he, he was saying that one of the things that he believed happened, and I don't know whether this is true or not, but, but one of the things that he was saying is that Hamas kind of intentionally lulled the nation of Israel or the Israeli in, in intelligence into sort of a, a sense of calm. And they had been planning this thing for a long time, waiting for the opportune time. And finally on October 7th, they were able to, they basically did a, did a sneak attack and they broke through this border security fence area. And they just started gunning people down soldiers and civilians alike throughout the process of this attack. Of course, you're aware that they attacked this uh, peace concert festival that was going on killing all kinds of people taking many many hostages i think um can't remember the number 120 hostages or something like that they took all these hostages they've been executing people um raping and torturing people Th throughout this this whole process the killing of infants killing of the elderly just doing despicable horrendous horrific things and there's been a lot of misinformation about this whole thing as well so I just wanted to kind of share my <laughs> my thoughts on this, my very non-expert opinion. Full disclosure, I'm sure you already know this. I'm not an expert on, on Israeli intelligence or on geopolitical matters or anything like that. But I do believe that as the people of God, we do have a mandate from the Lord to pray always for the nation of Israel, for the peace of Jerusalem to be established. And that this is something that we've been talking about a lot in church since October 7th that we've been uh, praying about together that we've been we've done some teaching sessions on how and why to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and all of that 
And so I just believe that as the people of God right now, we really need to be praying because this is the kind of conflict. Again, we should always be be praying. It should always be kind of on our agenda and on our hearts to partner with the spirit of God to to pray for his peace to be established in the city of Jerusalem, in the nation of Israel. You know, as the people of God, as the church of Jesus Christ, as the bride of Christ, so much of our identity, so much of who we are in our history is tied to and really directly birthed out of what God did throughout the Old Testament with the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. We, I, I rejoice that as the Gentiles, we've been grafted in, that we've all come uh, into the family of God. And, and as Paul points out in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, that there is now neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor male nor female, but we've all been made one in Christ Jesus, that we've been united together with God in Christ Jesus. And so it's not Israel and the church. It's the church of Jesus Christ. But still so much, I, I just believe that the heart of God yearns for the nation of Israel, the city of Jerusalem, to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Not just those that live there, but all, but Jewish people that are all across this world. That I, I just believe that it is on God's heart, as it is on God's heart for all people to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that, but I, I just believe that that God's heart just yearns to see um, the nation of Israel come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, to come to the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the one that they've been waiting for all these years, that he came and he came to save and he came to save them and he came to set them free and he came to redeem mankind and to redeem our lives from destruction. And so we, that's something we should be praying for anyway. But right now, this conflict has really stirred up, as you know, so much tension in the Middle East. There's always tension in the Middle East, of course, but it's stirred up so much tension. And I don't know about you, but this just feels different. It feels like a powder keg that could explode if if other nations decide to jump in and take sides this could get it's already very very ugly this could get even more ugly very very quickly i see a lot of ways in which that this can go very badly you know some of these nations around if they decide to jump in we're talking about nations that control a lot of uh, the oil economy and things of that nature. And I mean, this is the kind of stuff that could produce a world war three. Now I'm not speaking that I'm not prophesying that I, I, be, I don't believe, I don't, be, I'm not saying that I believe that that's going to happen, but I just believe that as the people of God, we need to be taking our stance to stand together, to pray and declare uh, for the peace of God to be established and for a quick resolve for a swift resolve to come into that area. I know that the experts are saying that this is not going to end quickly. And I don't really see a way that it does end quickly. But I know that we serve a God who can do the impossible, who loves to do the impossible, and who loves to partner with his people as they stand together and pray. You know, one of the Old Testament sort of prophetic pictures of the church, God says that my church, my, my, my church, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations it's part of our identity of who we are as the people of god that we are his house of prayer to stand together as the dwelling place you are if if, if you are uh, saved you've come into the saving knowledge of jesus christ that means the spirit lives within you and the bible declares that you are the temple of the holy spirit you are the house of god 
here on the earth and you carry his presence with you. And he invites us into this bridal uh, identity of being his house of prayer for all of the nations that we would pray, that we would declare, that we would stand together, that we would make declarations and decrees to see his kingdom come and established here in the earth because God actually answers when we pray. As amazing as that is, as unbelievable as that might be sometimes, that God actually responds when we pray, he does. And this is a time, church, where we just need to be standing together. We need to be praying for God's will to be done, for his peace to be established, in this region of the world and uh, and also of course for people to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now now I'm not one who believes that you know everything that the nation of Israel does is righteous because they're Israel. I uh, I'm not I'm not one that buys into that. I don't believe that that's true. And I and I don't believe that they've done everything right. You know, I'm not even saying that. I don't know whether they have or not. I'm not saying that they've done everything right, that their response has been 100% correct and righteous and perfect and everything. I'm not saying that they've, through the years, they've always done the right things. I'm not saying any of that. But there is this, I just believe it's misinformation or disinformation or whatever you want to call it. But there's this rhetoric that's going around our nation today for sure, being perpetuated by some media outlets and things of that nature that really want to point to Israel being at fault here and that Palestine having been oppressed by the nation of Israel all these years that they were taking a rightful stand and that there are those that are out there that are calling Hamas freedom fighters and so you may have heard about this stuff or not I don't know but I know that in New York City as well as in other large cities around the U.S. there's been protests there's been all of these protest people protesting it seems like there's people always protesting about something i don't know where these protesters come i don't know who's got the time on their hands to go out and to hold a sign and to protest i've never understood that but there's these people out there and there are thousands of people that are that are protesting and uh, that, that have been protesting talking about how or, or or trying to make their statement that it's really israel is at fault standing with palestine because Palestine had been oppressed by the nation of Israel. And so now this group Hamas, they're freedom fighters. Now that is something that, again, I don't, I don't believe that Israel necessarily has done everything correct, but I definitely don't buy into that. <laughs> Hamas is a, I think I said it already, they're a terrorist organization. They've been really the governing ruling authority there in the Gaza Strip since I think 2007. They, they've had military control there and they were elected. They, they were elected by the Palestinians. They were elected to that to that region to be in, in control there, to be in power there. But they are a, a fanatic religious organization group. Uh, again, listening to, to Coleman Hughes on, the, on Joe Rogan's podcast last week or whenever it was, he he referred to them as a death cult and it's within their ideology it's it's within the ideology of this group of people that they want to annihilate israel they don't want to kill israeli soldiers they want israel obliterated they want israel completely off of the map it's in their literature it's in their what what do you call that when they uh, when when you uh, manifesto is I think the word that I'm looking for it's 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 what they ascribe to. 
So when we're we're looking at these images, and I I haven't personally seen any images because I don't want to, but I've heard this, this discussed at length of infants being slaughtered, of people being decapitated, of women being raped, of people being you know tortured, people just being executed. It just just horrendous ways, just targeting all kinds of people, using their own people even as human shields. Because the the, the thing about it is they don't have a they, they don't have a, a value for human life because they're not freedom fighters they're a terrorist organization now having said all that i of course there are innocents on both sides and so i believe personally i believe one of the things we should be praying for is for god to protect and defend those the innocents that are in palestine I mean, I mean, we're talking about people. Not everybody ascribes to that ideology. Not everybody understands. And, and even a lot of people that, that buy into the ideology, they do so because the wool has been pulled over their eyes and they've been deceived. And so I have no ill will. You know, there's, there's ridiculous things going on. You know, people, even in this country and, and in other countries around the world, but we're not even there. And so many of us, and I would put myself in this category as well, don't even understand fully the situation that's going on over there. And there's people, I mean, pe um, people of Palace, Palestinian descent are being persecuted. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And if the church is, you know, participating in this in a way where hatred is coming out, where hate speech is, is, is being promoted and, and things of that nature, like we are taking this out of context and that is not Christ-like. I, I just, I want people to be, I don't want innocent people losing their lives, no matter where, what side of the, the fence, what side of the border they fall on. And so we, we've, we've got to be Christ-like in this all the way, all the way around. God, defend the innocent, protect the innocent, protect the innocent in, in, in Palestine, protect the innocent in Israel. And, and, and just asking for the wisdom of God to be revealed to the people that need it so that this conflict can come to a, a swift conclusion. I mean, they, they, want, they want Israel gone. That's their agenda. And they're not the only group in that region that wants Israel gone there's several other groups in that region that want Israel obliterated and just removed. They want Israel off the map, removed from existence. And so that's where if tensions continue to rise and other people start getting involved, this can really get out of hand at, at, on an even greater scale. I, I wanted to just read a few verses here out of Psalm 83. Because we actually see this in the Bible. Now, I'm not, I'm not making the, the declaration here that Psalm 83 is explicitly talking about Hamas and the situation that's going on in Israel. But as I read these verses, you will definitely see the um, correlation here. So Psalm 83, verse 1, it says, Do not keep silent, O God, and do not hold your peace. Do not be still, O God, for behold, your enemies make a tumult, and those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation 
that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. For they have consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you. And, and so, so go, go back to this phrase. Come and let, and, and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. That's, that's in the Bible. And Hamas is not the first group. There's always been groups. There's always been other nations or other groups that have wanted Israel off the map, as this verse says. This, this verse has, has been true, like, forever. But it's definitely going on right now, and I think you can definitely see the correlation there. I wanted to read. There, there's a, um, a quote here from uh, – let me see if I – let me see if I have it. Brigadier General Hussein Salami said, our strategy is to erase Israel from the G from the global political map, to erase Israel. That's like the same language that the Bible is speaking about. And so we're, we're called together to pray. We're called together to believe God for what only he can do to be done, to be established, for his kingdom to come. Uh, in 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 Israel, in this Gaza Strip area, and for for life to be preserved, for life to be protected, for people to awaken to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, in in this the, these just times of devastation and destruction that they're experiencing over there, and so I just wanted to share my thoughts on on how important it is, how essential it is right now for the people of God to be standing together in prayer. Uh, for the nation of Israel, but also for everybody in that region that may ascribe to completely different ideologies, but to pray. Now, look, I did want to just say one more thing, um, because again, there is a lot of misinformation. Just for, just for example, I, I heard something recently, and I just looked it up today to, to kind of check on it. Um, this is another thing that Coleman Hughes was talking about. The There was this hospital um, in the Gaza Strip that was that they said this, this was a report it, here. I mean, in this country, mainstream media outlets, I'm not going to mention names, but mainstream media outlets had reported that this hospital that is Israeli forces had bombed a hospital, killing 500 plus people. That was reported. That was in the news. What happened was that was actually a story that was presented, I believe, by Hamas, that it was somehow put out by them. It was propaganda. Essentially, it was put out. It was a not a complete fabrication, but a but a gross twisting and perversion of the truth. What actually happened was there was a parking lot. This is what they're discovering as even U.S. intelligence has been investigating and trying to find out. And this is something that President Biden said um, has been confirmed by or is at least being I don't know if it's I don't know if I can use the word confirmed or not, um, but it's being supported by evidence that the uh, that U.S. intelligence services are uncovering. That it wasn't a hospital that was blown up. It was actually a parking lot next to the hospital. And still, people lost their lives. I believe it was somewhere between 50 and 100 people that they know of were killed. Um, the attack was not launched by Israel. Again, this is my understanding as of this moment. The attack was not from Israel. It was not Israel launching a missile to blow up a hospital. Because that's completely against their ideology and completely against their agenda. That would have been very out of character for Israel to do that because they do have a value for life, particularly innocent life. They're not trying to kill people in a hospital. Now, of course, there are casualties of war, and I'm not saying that Israeli um, 
defenses and their response has not resulted in innocent lives being lost because I'm sure that it has. That's the 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 gross reality of war and what happens in these kinds of conflicts. But I do believe personally that Israel did have a right and does have a right to defend themselves against terrorist attacks. And so anyway, um, it actually turned out that there was a, another terrorist group, an Islamic jihadist group, that was actually launching their own rockets. And one of those rockets was essentially a dud. It misfired, and it ended up kind of fizzling out, and it landed in this parking lot. It blew up. There were people, there were vehicles there, and, and it resulted in a massive explosion. And many, many people did lose their lives. It's an absolutely tragic situation. But the initial report was that Israel had bombed a hospital in the Gaza Strip. And it was just completely untrue. I, you know, again, it was misinformation. There's a lot of that kind of stuff going around. Again, doesn't mean that Israel's been perfect. I'm sure they have not been perfect. But there, but there is this. There is an agenda of some to say that Hamas invaded as freedom fighters and they had a right to do so because Israel had been oppressing Palestine for all these years. Now, if Israel wanted to destroy Palestine in the way that Hamas is trying to destroy Israel, if, if Israel wanted to destroy them, it would have happened already. Because again, their military forces are, are pretty unmatched. They don't want that. They don't want to just kill innocent people. It's it's not it's not in their ideology to do so. But Hamas doesn't think the same way. They don't believe the same way. And so it's resulted in this conflict that we're experiencing now. And I just uh, believe that we need to pray. Uh, if anyone wants to fact check me on any of the stuff that I just talked about, I am 100% open to that. I'm just saying things as I've understood them. And so check these things out on your own. And because uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't profess to be an expert in any of these areas. So Father, we do just um, stand together with anybody that might be watching or listening. And in the name of Jesus, we just, we thank you for your love for the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. God, we thank you that we even exist today as the people of God, as the bride of Christ, because of what you started with this family that blossomed into the nation of Israel all these thousands of years ago, Lord. And we just thank you for what you've done. We thank you for how you've protected them. God, I want to thank you that in the midst of, of conflict and chaos, I thank you that the, the nation that I live in, has um, continued to stand with Israel as an outspoken ally. And uh, Father, we just we just thank you for their lives, God. We, I just ask that you would continue to protect innocent life on both sides of the borders, Lord. I, I ask, God, that you would establish your peace in the nation of Israel, in the city of Jerusalem. God, let your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, that went on a little bit longer than I uh, anticipated, but thank you guys for hanging in there and listening with me. Let me just share real quick. Um, the the other day, it was last week, I guess. I was I was driving in the car, and I just kind of had this sense. I had I think I had a podcast on, or I had something on. I was listening to something, and 
And I had this sense that God wanted to, to talk to me. And so this is, for, for me, one of the ways that God speaks to me or that I know that God is going to speak to me is like, I might be doing something. I might be in the middle of something. And I might be working on something or even, you know, watching a movie, spend time with my family or something. And, and I'll just get a sense. And I like to refer to it as a nudge from the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like that thing where you get somebody nudges you to let you know, like, Hey, you know, I, I, I want to tell you something, or I'm thinking about something or, or whatever. It's kind of one of those things where, you know, you might spot somebody from across the room and you'll just kind of like, you know, get their attention and then kind of wave them over so that they leave what they're doing to come see you because you have something maybe private or personal to share with them. And that that's the kind of thing that I've experienced with God many, many times. And it's always interesting to me because every single time, every single time that I've ever done this, where I felt like God gave me that nudge of just, hey, I want to talk to you. Hey, I want to share something with you. Hey, can you drop what you're doing and step aside? It reminds me of, and I know it was a different kind of situation, but it reminds me of Moses in Exodus chapter three with the burning bush. When he's walking, he's going about his day and, you know, he's working because he's, he's got, he's got the flock of sheep from his father-in-law. So he's just doing his job and he sees this bush that's burning, but it's not being consumed. It's not, or it's in, in a blaze, but it's not being burnt up. It's not being consumed. And I just like the language that the Bible uses because it says, when Moses turned aside to see what this was, that's when he heard the voice of the Lord. Now, the Lord could have easily spoken to Moses without that burning bush. The burning bush was what God used to grab his attention but it wasn't until Moses responded to the thing, to the, the to the nudge. That was a pretty big nudge because it's a bush that's on fire. Like I'm pretty sure I would have stopped to look at it too. But it was Moses. He, 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 Moses had to get out of his his routine for just a moment, you know, kind of break the the flow of I'm walking with the sheep. I do this every day. I'm going from here to there. This is my life. I've been doing this for all these years. Kind of breaking the the flow of that. And and I there's just times where the Holy Spirit, if you'll just like ask him, hey, Lord, make me more sensitive to, to hear your voice. I, I believe that if you don't know if you haven't experienced this already, that you'll have those times where you might be caught up in something. It might be something that's even really important. And the Lord will just kind of it's almost like a tap on the shoulder, like, hey, step aside for a minute. And it was when Moses turned aside to see what this was that the Lord began to speak to him. And it's, it's been that kind of thing with me every single time where the Lord has grabbed my attention and said, hey, step aside for a minute. He's even, there's been times where he's, he's just said to me, hey, step outside or just whatever, whatever it is. But something very, very subtle is the kind of thing that you could very easily just dismiss is the kind of thing where you could very easily just say, uh, oh, you know what? Like I, I, I should, I, I forgot I haven't read my Bible today. I'll, I'll do it later because I'm busy right now. It's, it's very easy to dismiss in that kind of way. But every single time that I've responded quickly to that voice, to that simple nudge of the Holy Spirit to step aside, every single time God has immediately spoken and he's made it so clear. And every single time it's been something, I don't want to say something like so dramatically profound, but it's been very profound for me in terms of God using it to shift my thinking and maybe to get me back on track with something that I that I may have lost focus on. Every single time God does something 
powerful in my life. And, and, and almost every time it's happened to me, it's been a very quick experience, a very quick encounter, maybe, maybe a couple of minutes, maybe five, maybe 10 minutes. You know, there's been a couple of times where God has, you know, called me to step aside and he's spoken something to me that just, it, it, it birthed so much joy in me that I just, you know, had to start worshiping or, you know, whatever. And then I might extend the, the, the time frame, but what I'm talking about is that that just the simplicity of these dailies, da- daily encounters that we can have in the presence of God because he's so close to us, because he's so near to us. And so anyway, on this day, God did that to me. I was driving and he just kind of prompted me to get alone with him. So I just I, I turned off the 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 thing that I was listening to and I just said, OK, God, what's up? And I heard God in me almost immediately. I heard I heard God um, say these words to me. I'm trying to see if I can um, say it word for word the way that I heard it from God. He said, "Your life in the Spirit is sustained by my life in you." And there was a pause, and and, and I began to kind of ponder that for a moment. And then he said, "And actually." if you can get your mind right on this issue, you will recognize that the two are one in the same because you and I are one because you've been united with me. And I had to, I, I had to kind of pause and, and think, and, and thankfully I was almost home because I was able to, to, to get home and I was able to get my journal and write down what I had heard and then God expanded on it with me a little bit more, and I and I recorded some other thoughts on it as well. But it was just that initial thing of my life in my life in God is sustained by His life in me, and in fact, those two, my life in God and His life in me, they're one and the same because I've been made one with Him through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And it shifted my thinking because it made me recognize. Hold on, like. So much of the emphasis on of, of my, my life, of my walk with the Lord, of my life and my growth in the spirit, so much of my emphasis comes, like it's on me. It's on what I have to do, what I have to do, how many verses I have to read, how often I have to do this, my journaling, my time with you, my worship, my this, my that, my, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying, whatever it is. And it's like I, I can put and we can put, I think, so much pressure on ourselves in terms of upholding our end of this covenantal agreement with God. And I'm not saying we do not have a part to play. But what I'm saying is the weight of relationship, God takes it on himself because Paul even writes, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And so I believe that if we would recognize that the life of Jesus Christ, the life of of his spirit, is within us. And that is, it's his life sustaining us. It's his life in us that makes it possible for us to know him, for us to be intimately connected with our heavenly father. It's through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And when I'm sitting here thinking that the weight of of this, the weight of maintaining my walk with the Lord is on me, I can very easily get out of focus with that and I can turn it into works. I can very easily go down this path that leads me to a place of condemnation because I'm not doing it right or because I'm not growing enough. 
And when I sit back, and I'm not saying I relinquish responsibility of relationship, but what I'm saying is I rest on his ability. I rest on his strength rather than my own to keep me in right standing and right relationship with him. It doesn't mean that I do less. It just means that I depend upon his grace to sustain me so that if I have a day where I don't do so well in terms of, you know, if I have a bad attitude or if I forget to read my Bible or I knew that I was supposed to have a prayer time, but then something came up and there was an emergency and I didn't get to it or whatever it might be. If I end up not being the perfect Christian that I, you know, and I, I, I rarely to never am there. So like <laughs> I rarely to never, I'm, I'm actually just going to say never am a perfect Christian. So like the, the weight of it isn't, I mean, and, and that was one of the things I felt like God was bringing across to me through this experience. This simple experience was just, Hey, remember like, I saved you and it's my life in you that you're now living. It's my life that sustains you. And so I, you know, I, I think that it's difficult to accept this when we compartmentalize our life with the Lord, our walk with the Lord. If we say, well, I have my relationship with God and it's, you know, my, my church life and this, but then like I have the rest of my life. Like if we look at God, like he's a requirement on our checklist, that we have time with God and then we do everything else, then it's it's hard to accept what I'm talking about. But if we live in the way that Jesus is life, that Jesus is everything, that every aspect of his life, I want it touching and permeating and affecting every single aspect of my life so that I'm, I'm at this place where I'm so fused together with him through his Holy Spirit who lives in me, that his life and my life are one in the same because I've been united with God in Christ Jesus. And so scripturally, this is the, the passage that he ultimately brought me to, was John 15. And, you know, you may have been listening to me talk up to this point and you were already thinking about, about how this relates to John chapter 15. The first eight verses, this is where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's talking about how he's the vine and we're the branches. So there's, uh, this is a familiar passage of scripture. In verse one, he says, I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So he's saying he's the vine. The father is the vine dresser. So he's the one who who prunes us. He, he's the one who causes us to bear fruit in areas where we're not bearing fruit, to bear more fruit in areas that we're bearing some fruit. I, I was just having a conversation um, yesterday about some bushes that are outside uh, on our on our property here. And, you know, talking about how they they were, um, the, the, the owner had asked, how, how did you get the, the bushes to grow? Because we moved to Texas at the end of last year, and right before we moved here, there had been this like kind of hard freeze and everybody lost all their plants and stuff like that. And so it was like, everything was dead. And it was like, how did you get that thing to grow again? Well, I, um, just, I, I, I clipped away. I, I pruned back the, the dead branches. 
and now new life is coming out. And so it's like we, we might all have areas of our life that are not producing fruit because in those areas we're still operating according to an old mindset, to an old outdated mindset. We might be operating according to a law-based mindset. We might be operating according to a sin consciousness. We might be operating according to a worldly you know, thought system or just the way we've always done things. And maybe we haven't evaluated that area of our life yet to recognize that we're not really allowing the, the, the Holy Spirit to come in. We're not yielding that area of our life yet to the Holy Spirit. And so we're kind of not really experiencing a whole lot of growth in that area or whatever. And so... <clears throat> there might be these areas of our of our lives with some dead leaves, some dead branches. And if we'll just simply yield it to the Lord, we allow him through his word essentially to heal us, to make us whole in that area so that we can produce fruit. Verse 3 says, you are already clean because of the, there it is, the word which I have spoken to you. Verse 4 is kind of the key here. It says, Abide in me and I in you. And I love this phrase, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Then he says in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And I'm trying to learn how to really take that truth to allow that truth to penetrate the deepest parts of my being without you i can do nothing because i'll be honest with you there's still times in my in my you know day-to-day -day experience where i try to do things in my own strength you know there's there's times in my in my life where i will like i'll leave god out of the equation and i'll just make decisions and i'll and i'll just do things and i'll try to make things work and then i i eventually come to a point where I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm trying to do this on my own. Like, why am I doing that? And it's wanting to get to that place where it's such a close relationship and partnership with the Spirit of God that it's His life in me and it's producing fruit. It's producing fruit as I walk with Him, as I'm learning to respond to Him, as I'm learning to develop His values and His mindset and His way of seeing things and His way of thinking and looking at things. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ, but I don't know about you, I uh, don't fully know how to walk in it yet. And so I'm, I'm, I'm in this process of, of learning this, of learning to recognize and not just recognize it as a truth that's there, but the practicality of daily life that God, without you, I literally can't do anything. And so it's, I'm a branch and you're the vine. I'm connected to you divinely. I'm connected to Jesus, and I'm so connected to him that we're the same plant. I'm not a distant plant, so it's not hard for me to get what I need from him. He's my source of life. He's my source of everything. Now, if in my mind I think that I'm distant and separated because I've got some sin in my life or because of whatever, if I think like that, then it's going to be hard for me to put my confidence in a truth like this of, oh, you know what? All I have to do is abide. All I have to do is rest in you. All I have to do is trust you. All I have to do is, is, is lean back and rest in the reality 
that you've already done everything for me that I'm ever going to need. And I just have to rest in you because you provide what I need. And it's actually your life in me that causes me to bear fruit. You know, I, I think this connects so beautifully to the fruit of the spirit. Let me, let me just go there. Galatians chapter five. Galatians. <clears throat> Galatians is so good. If you just need a shot in the arm on like remembering how good God's grace is. Oh man, read Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says, But the spirit, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. I, oh my gosh, that's like one of my favorite, most practical verses of the of the Bible. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. We live in the Spirit. The life of Christ is in us. But how often do we choose to just walk our own way, to go our own direction, to go according to the course and the pattern of this world or the pattern of our own thinking or the pattern of what we've done in the past or the pattern of what so-and-so says? It's if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit, he says, let us, just let us, let us do it. In other words, it's a decision. It's a choice. I can choose if I'm going to walk in the Spirit or not. Now, I'm not saying that when I choose that I'm going to walk in the Spirit, that I'm going to automatically do it perfectly. I'm going to have stumbles. I'm going to have falls. I'm going to have to learn. I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to need correction and, and, and training and pruning so that I can bear more fruit in the areas where I'm only bearing a little bit of fruit right now. But it's that dependence on the Holy Spirit that is what this whole thing is about. And it's where I just believe God wants to remove the pressure off of us to say, hey, when you mess up, don't beat yourself up. Just remember that my life is still within you and that you're still divinely connected to me as a branch connected to the vine. The vine is the source. The vine is where the resources flow from. So you're not in this place of having to fix it all and get it all right in your own strength. You are in Christ. You are one with Jesus through his finished work on the cross. That's why I love verse 24. Those who are Christ's, raise your hand if you are Christ's. <laughs> those who are Christ's, those who belong to Christ, it says, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It doesn't say, will one day if they get it all right. It says, you've done it. You have crucified the flesh. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Is that Galatians 2.20 or is that, yeah, it's Galatians, yeah, it's the same book, Galatians 2.20. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith. My, my New King James Bible says, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The real original translation there that's the most accurate is the faith. It says, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Why is that distinction important? Because I recognize that it's actually his faith. It's his faith. Faith is an incredible kingdom commodity. And I don't know if that's the, a good word for it or not. 
But faith unlocks incredible doors in the kingdom. Faith unlocks doors of growth and advancement that are just impossible without Jesus, that are impossible in our own strength. But we've, we tend to look at faith as this super pedestalized thing that we can't quite attain to or we don't have enough of or that we need more. Jesus, I need more. Give me more faith. And if we read Romans 12, 3, says, God says he's given you the measure of faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, tell us that faith is a gift from God that was present at the moment of our salvation experience. It's how you gave your life to Jesus in the first place. Guess what? You didn't conjure that faith up on your own. You didn't develop that faith on your own. It came from him. All of this is a grace gift. All of this is because he's so good, because he's so faithful, he's so full of faith, and he gives us his faith. He gives His life is within us. The life that we now live in the flesh, we live by the faith of the Son of God. It's not Duke Lamastra's faith. It's Jesus Christ's faith. It's his faith that I'm standing in. It's his faith that I'm walking in. And we grow in that and we begin to produce more fruit from that. But the pressure of it, the weight of it is not on you. It's on him. So whether you're doing it so well or whether you're messing up every step of the way or whatever it looks like in your life, there's always room for growth, but it's always by the grace of God. There's always going to be those areas where God says, oh, you know what? There's this area. We want to, we want to trim this back. We want to prune this back because even though my son, my daughter, I'm so pleased with you. I delight in, in, in being with you. I delight in the sight of you. And, and by the way, that's true. That's, that's true of you. God is delighted. God delights in you. God rejoices over you with singing. It's in his nature to do that. You're that precious to him. You're that valuable to him. Not just when you're doing all the right things, but even when you've like just messed up and you've messed up for the 18,000th time, he delights in you because you're his. Because he doesn't see you. He doesn't even see you as a sinner anyway. It doesn't matter how many times you messed up. He doesn't see you as a sinner. He sees you as his precious child because you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ through his death on the cross. And through his resurrection, you've been raised to life with him and it's his life in you. You've been made one with him. God can't see you without seeing Jesus. Come on, get that into your spirit. God can't see you without seeing Jesus. Because you're one. You're one with Jesus. This is good news. I hope you're taking it as good news, man. Because this made me so free. This made me so free because it's like, so, so Lord, I could walk with you and I can learn as I'm getting to know you and as I'm seeing the way you do things and I'm learning to see things from your perspective. I'm learning to think the way that you think. Right? As I'm becoming more like you, it's through that process of transformation. It, 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 excuse me. It's through, it's, it, it's through <laughs> beholding him and being with him and being near him and being in his presence that we're changed and transformed from the inside out that we become more like him. What's actually happening is it's more of his life is becoming more present and more apparent in our life. 
because our life in him is the same as his life in us because we're connected. It doesn't mean we're free from, you know, we, we never make mistakes. It doesn't mean we don't, doesn't mean we do things per, uh, perfectly. And it doesn't mean that when we sin, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that we have a license to do whatever we want because living that way, thinking that way, that's not the way that God thinks. As we bring our thinking into alignment with his, we'll recognize, you know what, there's areas of my life that I, I don't want to do anymore. There's things I don't want to do anymore. There's ways I don't want to act, attitudes I don't want to have, words I don't want to use, ways that I just don't want to respond anymore. Why? Not because I'm afraid you're going to condemn me and send me to hell, but simply because I have such a value for who you are. And how you view things and how you see things that I want my thinking to align with your thinking. And I want my value system to align with the value system of heaven. It's his life becoming more prevalent and apparent in our lives. It happens through being with him. That's why he says back again in John chapter 15, he says, abide in me and I in you. And you will bear much fruit. And so I don't know if I explained that super well or not. I hope that 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 I explained it. It's this just for me, it was new revelation. For you, this might have been something you've always been living in, but for me, it was new revelation where that that just God invited me into just for me another level of 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 recognizing that it's not it's not up to me to maintain you know, to, to maintain everything all the time. It's like, oh man, I, I blew it. I forgot to do that. I, I, I haven't been doing this. I left this out. And it's like, oh, I'm, I'm losing ground. I'm, I'm, I'm losing whatever. It's, you know what? God wants you so secure in him that you can literally, you can just abide, that you can rest, that you can trust because he already accomplished everything for you and he positioned you so perfectly in his heart that you don't have to sit there worried about the fact that you didn't get it right. Just abide in him. When I, when I think of abiding, I, you know, my mind caught a, kind of automatically, I get this picture of, you know how John, the apostle, he, he's kind of leaning up resting upon the, the the breast or the chest of, of Jesus at the Last Supper. When Jesus is gathered together with his friends and he's sharing the Passover meal and he institutes communion or the Lord's Supper and he starts talking to them about his body being given, his blood being shed for the remission of sins and, and establishing this, this incredible um, you know, practice and experience of, of, of communion with God. And John is there, you know, leaning upon the chest of Jesus, just resting, hanging on every word. And it's such a place of rest. And, and it's it's so counterintuitive, I think, to a lot of our thinking and, and mindset of, of God, of, of our relationship with God. And, and I think that a lot of Christians would kind of default in their thinking to like, oh man, I wish I could be that close with him. I, I wish God would accept me like that. I I, I wish I could be that intimate with him, but I have too many issues in my life or blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, exactly where you are right now. God wants you that free to enjoy him, to enjoy his presence and to know that he rejoices over you with singing. 
that he's just so in love with you. And so it's abide. He, he invites us in not to strive, but to abide, to rest, to remain in his presence, to recognize that all throughout the day when we've got stuff to do, we've got jobs, we've got chores, we've got relationships to, to attend to, we've got problems and challenges and conflicts and tragedies sometimes, we've got fires we've got to put out, we've got different things. But when I recognize that I'm walking through every single one of these circumstances and areas of life, abiding in Jesus, who's the vine, who's the source of all of the strength that I need, all the joy that I need, all the peace that I need. He's the source of all of it. And I'm a branch. If, if you look out there at any tree, there's not a single branch of a tree that's like striving to be part of the root system of that tree. It's like, no, this is nature. This is natural. This is the, the branches natural habitat and environment is being connected to the trunk, which is connected to the root system. So there's this constant flow of nutrients. Yes, there are distractions and there are things that happen, which is again, the reason for the pruning and the cutting away sometimes of certain things, certain mindsets it's through the teaching of the word of God, through encounter and through experience, through God's presence, through the different ways that God encounters us and God speaks to us and reveals himself to us that he's, trimming back areas that are robbing us. You know, sin is horrible. But God's not scandalized by your sin. God's not like, oh, you can't be in my presence because you've got sin. It's like, no, you're clean because of what Jesus did. You're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you, he says in that same passage. It's not like you're no longer a branch of this tree because you've got sin in your life. It's ridiculous. That's an old covenant mindset. You are under grace because of what Jesus did for you, not because of what you did for yourself. You couldn't do anything for yourself, just like I couldn't. Jesus did it all. So it's not like, oh, well, you're not, you don't get to be a branch today because you messed up with your girlfriend. You don't get to be a branch today because you looked at that bad website. You don't get to be a branch today because of your attitude, because of the, the language that you use, because of whatever. You don't get to be a branch. He's like, no, abide in me. Rest in me. Remain in me. Because you're so connected to me. It's like Jesus is your natural habitat. You don't belong anywhere else. You belong in Christ. He's done everything to put you there. And it's only your own mindset that can keep you from walking in the fullness of that relationship. It's only your own mindset. It's nothing else. It's literally nothing else. The enemy can attack. He can throw temptation at you, but it's only your own mindset. It's, it's, it's your choice to, to walk in it or not. As you've received Christ Jesus, the Lord, Colossians 2, 6, so walk in him. Once again, Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. It's our mindset that causes us not to walk in the spirit. Our life is in Jesus. You've got a whole new life. You've got a whole new identity. You've got a whole new you because the old you was crucified on the cross with Jesus. If you've accepted him as your, as your, as, as, as Lord, if you've surrendered to him as Lord of your life, you've given your life to him. It's like, stop living under the pressure 
and the condemnation and the guilt and the shame. And look, when you mess up, recognize that you're still just as much a branch as you were before you were messed up. You're still just as much divinely connected to him. He hasn't changed his perception about you. <laughs> he wants you to be free of that. If it's a sin struggle or whatever it is, he wants it out of your life because it's robbing you. It's robbing you of of resource that he wants to send your way. It's robbing you of peace that he wants to that he wants to flow to you. It's robbing you. It's why he prunes, it's why he clips, it's why he removes those those branches that are not, you know, they're not helping. They're not they're not help they're not profitable to you. He wants to trim it back because he wants you to be 100% free. He died to make you free. He died to make us free, but we can still choose to subject ourselves to mindsets and ways of life and ways of thinking and ways of walking that essentially keep us in slavery. It's just not necessary. So he says, abide in me. That's the invitation. The invitation is abide in Jesus. He's the vine. So that means he's responsible for his strength and his life and his joy and his peace and his grace flowing into your life. And he doesn't hold it back from you. He doesn't hold it back from you. The problem is not that God's holding back from us. The problem is that we're trying to get these things from other places. And God's like, no, rest in me, abide in me, and my life, which is your life, will flow through you and you will produce greater fruit. I, I don't usually do this. I, every once in a while, I, I just get the sense that I need to do this. So I'm going to do it on this on, on this one because I am I just uh, feel like the Lord's telling me to. Um, hey, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, if you came across this podcast and you're, you're somehow not sure of where you stand in your relationship with God, you don't know, maybe you don't know if you're right with him or not, or you're just not sure. Maybe you've been living under so much condemnation. The enemy has has duped you into believing that you're no longer connected with God or whatever. Let's just make a decision right now. You, not 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 me. I'm just I'm just here to to walk you through it. <laughs> but just between you and the Lord right now. If you don't know if you're right with God or not, you're not sure where you are, you're not confident in that or you know that you're not right with God. I want to invite you to just invite him today to Be the Lord of your life. I want to invite you today to turn it over to him, to surrender to him. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that he's Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. He's not. He doesn't have all these hoops for you to jump through. He doesn't want you to become a better person first. He doesn't want you to uh, get all the sin out of your life first doesn't want you to get any of the sin out of your life first. He wants you to come to him exactly as you are. And I know that there's there, there's somebody, there's always somebody that, that hears that and says, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. He knows what you've done. He knows what you've done. He also knows who you are. He also knows the plan that he has for you. And he also laid his life down for you, knowing full well, 
all of the mistakes and all of the sin and all of the problems and all the challenges and all the bad decisions and all of the deceit and all of it. He knew all of it ahead of time and he still gave his life for you because he loves you because he wants to redeem your life from destruction. He wants to give you eternal life. He wants to spend eternity with you. If there's a thought in your head that says, I can't give my life to the Lord yet because I have too many issues or because God couldn't accept me the way that I am, I want to tell you right now, it's just a lie. It's a lie of the enemy to keep you stuck where you are. God says, come to me as you are. And when you come to him as you are, he will begin a process of, of restoring you. It's going to be through his strength. It's going to be through his grace. It's going to be through his life in you producing that fruit. So I just invite you, um, if you would, where you are, just you, you can you could say this. I'm going to say a prayer just to, to walk you through it. If you want to repeat what I'm saying and just, um, you know, from, from you to the Lord, but using my words, that's awesome. If you want to change the words, if you want to use different words, but I just invite you to um, make a decision. It's about just making a decision with the Lord right now to give your life to him. So Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross for every single one of us. I give you my life. I recognize that you are the son of God, that you died for me, that you rose from the dead, and you did it because you love me. I give my life to you, and I invite you to be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I ask that you would just take this uh, teaching today and that you would just seal it in the hearts of anybody that um, needed to hear it, Lord. And I, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is truth. I thank you that your word is powerful. I thank you that it's living. And I thank you, Jesus, that you live within us, that you live within your people. I thank you, God, for the privilege that we have of walking with you every single day. Of, of, of being close with you, of being connected with you, so connected that it's like I can't tell where my life ends and yours begins because I've been so fused together with you through the power of your Holy Spirit that you and I are one. God, I ask for a greater revelation and, and, and everybody listening, that you give us greater revelation of what that means, what that looks like, what it means for us, for our individual lives, what it means for our families, those that we have influence over, those that we have that that we teach or that we have relationship with, God, what does this mean? What does this reality mean that apart from you, Jesus, we can literally do nothing, and that we are one with you? We're connected with you through what you've done for us. I just thank you for this powerful truth. Thank you in Jesus' name. Well, everybody, if um. You got anything out of this? I'd love to hear from you. If you have questions, if you have disagreements, if you have anything like that, I'd love to hear from you. Appreciate you so, so very much for taking the time to check out this episode. And uh, again, really, really means the world to me. I didn't mention it at the beginning, but don't forget to subscribe on one of the podcast platforms, wherever it's most convenient for you, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever else you get your podcasts. Like the Facebook page, leave a comment, leave a review. Anything like that would be super, super amazing and helpful. And hey, if you're feeling um, like this really did bless you or add some kind of value to your life, if you would share it with somebody or share it on your social media or something like that so somebody else can find their way to it, I would really appreciate that as well. Thank you guys so much again for joining me. 
and uh, look forward to being back with you on a uh, future episode. Bless you guys.